Hi, you're listening to The Cardigan, a special series from Selfie, focusing on the intersection of psychology and self-care. I'm Kristen, a licensed therapist, a skilled catastrophizer, and mom of four. And I'm Matthias, a licensed therapist, side-eye aficionado, and a dog dad. We're going to be taking your mental health questions, chatting about our own journeys, and looking at psychology in the media. We hope you learned something about yourself, the people you love, and the world of mental health and maybe laugh a little along the way. So go grab some tea and your favorite cardigan and we'll meet you on the couch. Hey guys, well, we've got lots to talk about today. We're going to be answering a listener question about centering practices. What do you do when your anxiety is sky high? You need to bring yourself down. What are our options other than popping a pill? Um, We're also going to continue talking about the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. We're talking about this um, not because we want to enter into more gossip or speculation into the fray, but we think that it is bringing up a lot of interesting questions around psychology. And today we specifically want to talk about these two diagnoses that um, a professional, Dr. Curry, has diagnosed Amber Heard with in the trial, borderline personality disorder and histrionic personality disorder. We're not going to speculate on Amber Heard, but we're going to talk about what these diagnoses look like, um, how you might, you know, tell if someone has them, how to deal with it if you or someone you love might be suffering from these. But first, we're going to do a mental health check-in. Hey, Matthias. Hey, Kristen. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I've got some friends in town this weekend slash week. Yeah, and that has been delightful. I feel like it's been a long time since I've had friends from out of town come visit. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's just a whole different energy in life. (laughs) It is a different energy. Do you, here's a question. I mean, do you, first of all, do you have room to keep people? Do you have a guest room? I do not. No. Yeah. Yeah. We don't really either. Right. Full house. (laughs) So then what, so then what happens? Like, how do you arrange your house when you have friends stay? Oh, so they're not actually staying with me. Okay, they're in town. I am pretty clear. Like, it's like my best friends that are allowed to stay with me. And that's basically <laughs> it <laughs> because my place yeah. is so small. And like, yeah. we have to know each other really well <laughs> for right. me to like sleep you, on my couch for you. Yeah, You don't <laughs> have any space if they're in your house. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So, so they're staying. They're, in, they're, they're in like, town. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I always find that a little bit difficult because when people visit, they're on vacation, but you aren't. Right. Right. That's so hard. It's, right. It's having to like balance the rest of life mm-hmm. and, you know, go to drinks, play the tourist game. Yeah. Here are all the things in Seattle you need to see. Like, and uh, it's not a complaint. I enjoy doing yes. those things. Of course. But goodness of course. gracious. It's, yeah. it is, it does pack in a lot more. <laughs> yes, it, it does. It's like wonderful and then so exhausting at the same yes. time. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah, so I've I've been balancing all of that, and it's it's been really nice. But I I am re- reminded that there is life outside of the little bubble that I've created. Yes. I'm like, oh look, there are there's other neighborhoods in Seattle. <laughs> yes. Well, don't you feel like you like? I fully feel that I live my best life in my own city when people are in town. 100%. Like, I'm doing all the things I never do. I'm taking ferry rides. I'm going to the beach. I'm, like, paddle boarding. I don't live, like, I don't live that life. No. Same. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I'm doing all the research on what new bars have opened. Like, all (laughs) those things that I'm, like, I would not normally. Uh Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I have, like, three places I go. Totally. (laughs) So funny. Yeah. So yeah. funny. Well, that's been fun. Yeah. How about you? Well, I'm good. I, though, I have, I, I am sitting here 
um, with no makeup on, with um, what is that stuff called? Aquaphor slathered all over my face oh. because I just <laughs> went to the dermatologist and I had a bunch of stuff burned off my face. Now, it was not precancerous stuff. It was all cosmetic. Mm. But I have had these – it's what, it's called sebaceous hyperplasia. Okay. It sounds super gross. But it's just basically these little raised bumps that don't go away. Mm. They're very common. They happen when you get older. I would say most people probably didn't notice I had them. What they look like is like that maybe I've had just a little – a pimple. Mm-hmm. But I've just been getting more and more of them, and it's been bugging me. And they're not colored. You know, they're the same color as my skin, but they're just a, like a little bump. It just mm-hmm. looks like you're, you know, maybe going to ha- have a little breakout soon. And so I went to the dermatologist, and I actually saw a PA, not the actual dermatologist, a physician's assistant, which I am beginning to feel like physician's assistants are the way to go because – they have a lot of energy. <laughs> it, they have, I don't know, like they just seem, they're fresh. You know what I'm yep. saying? Mm-hmm. They're younger, they're fresh. So this PA comes in, I swear he's 18. <laughs> like he's so young. And, you know, I have crappy insurance, which covers zero, you know, um, other than just like a yearly skin check. So he does my skin check. He's like, is there anything else? And I'm like, yeah, these like little bumps bother me. And he's like, well, your insurance doesn't cover those, the removal of those, which I already know. Right. And I also know it's 250 per spot. Oh, wow. And he's like, you know, I'll just do it. <laughs> yes. He proceeds to remove 20 spots off my face for wow. free. Yeah. <laughs> for free. And I do feel like it does feel a little bit like the young kid has dad's tools and he wants to try them out. Yeah. So I'm laying there thinking like, there's no way this guy has a lot of experience doing this. <laughs> like, I literally feel like this is maybe his first time. And he was like, I- I'll try it. Because <laughs> what benefit? He has no benefit of doing this for me. Right. Other than he's just doing it for free because he's bored or he wants to try it so anyway the treatment is they like burn you know you cauterize them um and so i look insane (laughs) right Uh. now i look (laughs) i remember a while back i made this is me as a mom i made my kids watch faces of meth have you ever seen that no i haven't okay so it's it's a I mean, if you have kids and you want to, it's this is the scared straight version of. Remember when we were kids and they would show us like photos of STDs to try to keep us oh, from yeah. having sex. This is oh, me yeah. trying to keep my kids from from using meth. Not that, yeah. not that there's a big risk, mind you. <laughs> like, but for whatever reason, one day I got a wild hair and like we're gonna watch Faces of Meth, and it sh- what it does is it's actually it's it was a police program where they showed the mug shots of people who became addicted to meth and what their faces looked like over the course of a few years. Mm. And it is very, it's quite compelling because, you know, meth really does change the way people's face look. Anyway, I look like someone in faces of meth. Like I just have like, you know, sores all over my face. Wow. It's really gross. And then to keep them, you know, I guess moist, which is the most disgusting use of that word I think I've ever used. 
I have to slather them in aquaphor. So I look like an oil slick. It's so gross. I love it. It's so disgusting. I had to go to India's dance recital last night. I wore a hat and a mask. Like you couldn't, you couldn't see me at all. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so I'm curious to, I'm, I don't know anyone who's had this treatment done. But the internet would suggest that it works well. I hope that it doesn't require a lot of skill because I think this guy had none. <laughs> but I will report back. We'll see. Please do. Time yeah. will tell. Time I don't know. Time will tell. <laughs> yeah. The things we do. And I came home and my, because, you know, my boyfriend didn't know I was doing any of this. Right. So I come home and he's like, what, what happened? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I had those things. And he's like what things (laughs) i'm like you know those like little bumps he's like what bumps (laughs) i'm like the the hideous ones that i feel insecure about he's like well you had nothing and now you look crazy (laughs) he's so confused my kids said the same thing they're like what what was on your face you have things on your face now (laughs) oh my gosh anyway we'll see i look crazy now Mm. What do you have today for two thumbs up? Yeah, this is another one of my favorite apps that I have been using for, I don't know, probably six or seven years at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called 1Password. Okay. And it's, it's just a password management app. Like, uh, like, I think this two thumbs up is just password management apps in general. Like, there's so many out there. Yes. Um, I use 1Password just because it's the one that was recommended to me. But, but what they are, are... They're apps that create secure passwords for you mm-hmm. and then also store them. So you only have to remember like one master password and then all of your other passwords are stored within that. Okay. It autofills them um, and it ups your security significantly. Okay. So I'm curious, does does this... Um sync like like does it automatically put a new password in for you or do you have to remember to pop out open that app and put it in it syncs with at least all of my apple devices I, I don't i imagine it's the same for android okay but like you just use it like syncs into the same password management Ooh. system that's in your ios and so when you're trying to fill in right a password you know it just uses your face id and it automatically populates for whatever website you're on um, Ooh, and so I it's, like it's allowing you to use complex, secure passwords for every single different site, which is right. really important with cybersecurity. Yes. Um, but making it super easy to do that. And and like the added benefit is now that I've been using it for years, you know, like for those websites that like the IRS or like those places that are like, this is really important, but I only use it once a year exactly <laughs> once every three years oh totally it has all that stored so that you don't like you don't have to worry about it <laughs> okay you don't have to remember a million that passwords. is so smart i'm gonna yeah. i need to do this because i am 100 percent guilty of using the same password for the last decade for everything oh, totally right it's so bad yeah another yeah. idea i got from a friend just recently is what she does is Whatever her password is, she adds the first three letters of the website to the password at the end so that her password is different on every site. Oh, interesting. I thought that was really smart. That is. So it's like password, and then if she's shopping at Target, it's T-A-R at the end. Interesting. Just to keep it, just to mix it up. Yeah, yeah. It's not a bad idea. Keep it lively. 
I just think it's the like, I love it. Makes my life so easy. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> and it, like that, the cybersecurity, like it really makes it uh-huh. that much more difficult for someone to infiltrate. So smart. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Okay, mine is for, this is a recommendation for other people who have converted to all bar things in their shower. So mm. I am all bar. I am shampoo bar, conditioner bar, body bar. I'm a total like convert. <laughs> I love it so much. I love. Do you use like a face bar? Yes, I use a face bar. My face bar, and I will also, I've talked about this a lot, but I highly recommend Drunk Elephant's um, facial bar. Okay. It's expensive. It's not that expensive. It's $25, which is expensive for a bar, but it's not expensive for a face wash. Right, right. And it lasts me an entire year. One bar lasts a whole year. Whoa. Yes. So Drunk Elephant, um, I will link that up. And then I I use, um, I've talked about the shampoo bar and conditioner I used before too. I use Sweet and Sassy, stupidest name, but it's the best. Um, so anyway, the, the result, though, is that I then have all of these bars, like, sliming around in my shower, you know? Yeah. And so Kitsch um, makes this really cute shower caddy that is just sized for bars, and it has four tiers. So you mm. can suction cup it to the side of your shower, and it will keep the bars dry. You know, it has, like, drains underneath, and but it's just – it's four – cute little tears for just the small size of a bar for four different bars because I do I always have four different bars going on in my in my shower and it's black and it's cute yeah I really like it and I love that it just streamlines like that's all I have in my shower I no longer have any plastic you know bottles laying around I no longer have like half empty things I just have a bar and then I have so many backup bars that's what I also love about this is like you can really you know store things very small yeah um and then i just trade them out when they get too small i think you're starting to convert me Kristen. ah oh, you really need to <laughs> especially the shampoo bar yeah it's so nice i i prefer it now i really do huh do you use conditioner no yeah so then you should totally go to a shampoo bar yeah i probably should and it is better for the planet right well, that's the thing. Like, that whole thing of reducing single-waste plastics, yeah. like, that's important. Mm. I'm kind of obsessed with it right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, I am not doing my part in every way, for sure. Like, like I still have some issues with fast fashion. Sure. But I am obsessed with no longer buying anything in a, in a plastic bottle. I like that. Yeah. Like, even our lotion I buy in a bag, you know, and then huh. I just refill everything. Okay. I'm yeah. going to keep looking at this. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the whole buying things in a bag instead also allows you to have, like, cute dispensers for everything. Right. Which is important. Yeah. It feels like a lot to keep track of for me, but that... <laughs> no, it's not. Because then you just put it on Amazon, subscribe, and save. Right. Like, I got my lotion delivered in a bag from Amazon, subscribe, and save every month. <laughs> Smart. That's smart. <laughs> yes. I these are great hacks. Yes. Yeah. But again, Amazon also not great for the environment. So totally. What are you gonna do? Ugh, gosh. So complicated. I know. <sighs> All right, here's our next listener question. 
So they are looking for good, quick centering practices. She says, I'm a full-time stay-at-home mom with an infant and a high-needs toddler. My anxiety has been high lately. I've been working on breathing, stretching, and taking time out to drink water. What are other ideas for quickly centering? Yeah, this is a good one. Yeah. I mean, I think I can think of a few ideas. I think like having an app. There's a lot of different meditation apps, but having an app that can just talk you through a quick meditation is really good. Yes. Um, yeah. Anything that you can just pull up really quickly mm-hmm. and be guided in, mm-hmm. I think is so helpful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I I love, and I think I've talked about this before um, a little bit on the show, but I really like EFT tapping. Yeah. Um, yeah. Talk about that. Yeah. For I, people I, who don't know what that is. I can never remember what the EFT stands for (laughs) right i think it's it's emotional freedom um but i'm not positive but regardless that's that's not the important part but it's a way where you you tap on certain points on your body uh a lot of them are associated with like acupuncture points Mm -hmm. um i really like the clavicles yeah uh, just because i find them i mean they're accessible they're easy um but but all you do is you take your you know your pointer finger your middle finger hold them up both of them cross them over your body and then tap back and forth on your clavicles, uh, and it, what that actually does is it starts bringing back on online kind of your your nervous system that helps regulate your fight flight freeze response which mm-hmm. is associated with anxiety, mm-hmm. um, and it starts to bring a little bit more calm to your body. Um, Anytime I do it, I notice it instantly. Yeah. It, it's pretty amazing how quickly it works. And, it, you know, it doesn't work for everything. Yeah. But it it helps a lot sometimes. Um, it's I mean, easy. Everyone I know that does it swears by it. Yeah. And, you know, it's one of those interesting things, too. It's like, is it is it the tapping that works or is it just the slowing down being present in your body, doing something physical, you know, it's like, I don't know. I don't know which is true, but it is very effective. It is. And, you know, I think it also has to do with the bilateral nature of it is you're, Mm -hmm. you're bringing parts of your brain back online um, that do get shut down. (laughs) Yeah. Well, say more about what bilateral means for people who don't know, because this is also true of EMDR. Right. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, this is cartoonish. This is really rough. It isn't like if you research the science, this is not going to be 100% accurate to the science. But roughly, (laughs) you know, our left brains are associated with Mm -hmm. kind of cognition, with language. Our right brains are a little bit more creative. Um, But when we're experiencing fight, flight, freeze, we kind of go into what's called an um, amygdalic hack. Yeah, <laughs> like our, our our hippocampus shuts down, uh, the front parts of our brain, and our amygdala takes over, which is the center of survival in our brains. That primarily exists in our is more of a left brain response, which is why we don't have access to language when we're experiencing trauma because that is shut down. But but when we do things that bring bilateral movement back to our bodies and to our brains, so you know across the the you know the half and half of our body, it, it actually starts to help regulate that mm-hmm. shutdown. 
mm-hmm. um, and bring some of those things back online so that we're able to start to think again. We're start to we're able to start to use language again um, and bring us out of that kind of survival based response. Um, would yeah. you add anything to that, Kristen? Well, I mean, I would just say I know a lot of people understand what EMDR is or they understand the effectiveness of it. And I think tapping is kind of EMDR light. Like, it, mm-hmm. you know, it, it does address a lot of the same things as you're saying, going from left to right, um, one side of the body to the other. Um, and it's kind of cool that you can just DIY it at home. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm going to link up to an article about tapping so people can look at that in the show notes. Another idea that just came to me in terms of a quick centering practice is the idea of submerging your face in cold water. Have you heard about this one? I've heard of it. I've never, ever tried it. I have not tried it either, but we do have a kid who um, used to get very dysregulated, and that was recommended by a therapist. And Mm -hmm. so we actually did the cold water submerge, but then we also bought – an ice face mask. Hmm. Um, and there is something about just, you know, in your in your nervous system, putting cold on the face that really regulates emotions. Interesting. I don't know the science behind it. But anyway, it, th- that would be another recommendation. In fact, maybe I can find I will link up to that ice mask we bought. But just popping an ice mask on your face. It's not it's not pleasant. I I don't want to, you know, this is not a spa experience, but there is a ton of research right now around cold. Right. And, you know, people are buying cold plunge pools or they're, you know, doing cryotherapy. There is a lot of research that shows that there's major health benefits, but also mental health benefits to cold. Yeah. So that's a a little mini cold plunge Hmm. for the face. But yeah, it does help regulate emotions. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's um let's talk more about borderline personality and histrionic personality disorder. Yes. So have you been watching any of the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial? No, I know we talked about it last yeah. episode, but I still haven't looked at it. You up. still have not. <laughs> I mean, I'm basically watching it insofar as like I'm seeing, you know, I'm seeing TikToks and Twitter feeds about it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same. Mm. So it was mostly Twitter. Yeah. 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 So it was interesting because um, last week they had, there were two different doctors that they had evaluate Amber Heard and they had two different, they had two different perspectives of her, which is not Mm -hmm. surprising. You know, the side that Johnny Depp hired, she had, you know, she questioned the validity of her PTSD because she felt it was over-exaggerated and she diagnosed with borderline and histrionic personality disorder. The other therapist um, decided and spoke in her in her um, statement that Johnny Depp was the abuser, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Because if you're a therapist and you're hired to speak at a trial, you can speak to a diagnosis. You cannot predict things that have happened. Right. So that was a little bit interesting. Yeah. Like that's an overreach for her to say, I know what happened as opposed to I can attest to what I found by administering psychology tests. Right. Right. So I think the first one was a little bit more credible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so she administered the MMPI, which is a huge battery that is very 
telling of psychopathology. And then she interviewed her. And so she diagnosed her with both borderline and histrionic personality disorder. So for people who don't understand personality disorders, talk about what what is a personality disorder as opposed to another diagnosis? Yeah. So, I mean, a personality disorder, in some ways, it, it, it just like it sounds, it like fundamentally alters someone person, person, someone's personality. Yes. And so, you know, common ones that people that have entered like normal conversation would be like narcissism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Borderline is one that's often talked about. Histrionic, not as much. Not um, as much, yeah. But... Uh, antisocial, which is one that that um, you know a lot of like serial killer documentaries or whatever will will come up. Um, it, so there, are, you know, I can't remember the exact number, which I should because I teach these. But <laughs> there's three clusters: cluster A, cluster B, cluster C. Um, each of the personality disorders in those clusters kind of share similarities, um, and they people are very different. Like you, you can almost feel, at least mm-hmm. in my experience, you can feel the presence of a personality disorder, even if you can't quite name what yeah. exactly is going on. Yes. Yeah. What, what would you add to that? Yeah, I would agree. And we, you know, we tend to find that personality disorders are, um, they tend to be consistent across the lifespan. Mm-hmm. There used to be, you know, this kind of trope that you can't treat them they're unchangeable, you know, that people will be this way forever. Um, But we're finding that 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 is not true. People who are um, interested and dedicated to, you know, to working on this can make changes. There are therapies that are helpful. DBT is one of them. But what, what is also consistent amongst personality disorders is very low insight into the personality disorder. So very rarely are you going to meet someone with a personality disorder who says, yes, I have borderline personality disorder, or yes, I have narcissism, um, because they tend to be very defended and they tend to have low self-awareness around their own behaviors. Um, yes. But, uh, you know, personality disorders, they're very difficult to live with. They they change the way that you view the world and what's happening to you. Um, m- for many of them, there tends to be a, a victimization. You know, you tend to see everyone as sort of out to get you or you're mistrustful of the world. Um, and, and they're, you know, they are, I, I think that they are something that people like to kind of throw around, but they're very serious and, and very distressful for the person who's experiencing them. Right. And for the people around that person, like, like I, yes. often when I'm working with, with folks who have, uh, family members or partners or spouses with personality disorders, like one of the first things I say is, is in some ways you are living in a different reality from the person with the personality disorder. Like there are almost two different realities that are going on that you're having to learn how to communicate with, but it's a different form of communication than what you're used to with people who don't have a personality disorder. Yes. Agreed. That's very difficult. Yeah, I completely agree. So let's talk about these specifics, borderline versus histrionic. And I think you you've said it too. I think people tend to be a little more um, aware of borderline personality disorder. Yeah. So with borderline, um, people with borderline dis- personality disorder, one of the hallmarks that, you know, this is a layman's term amongst therapists, but it's that um, come here, no go away. Yeah. Love me. And now I'm going to reject you. People with borderline personality disorder 
have an intense fear of being rejected or abandoned. So what they do is they vacillate between these extreme measures to avoid abandonment, but then self-sabotaging behaviors that get them abandoned. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they they can be very dramatic. They can engage in risky behaviors, attention-seeking behaviors. Um, they can make threats of suicide, you know, to try to attempt to not be left, that kind of thing. Um, they have pretty wild mood swings. They can be really dramatic. What else? Yeah, I mean, those are the really big ones. I I think it can feel like when you're experiencing someone who has BPD, you can feel like you're like just being tossed about in the ocean where one thing is true. And then on a moment's notice, another thing becomes true. You're experiencing a moment of deep intimacy. And then all of a sudden, like Mm -hmm. whiplash of Mm -hmm. hatred or extreme volatility. Mm -hmm. um, And, and you never quite know what you're going to get with, Mm -hmm. with the person. And often you start feeling like, "Am, am I the one who is, in the wrong here have yes. what have i done to make this happen um it, it yeah it's, it's really hard yeah and, and you know a, another hallmark of this of this um disorder is manipulation so yes. in addition to you feeling like what have i done you're also probably being told what you've done <laughs> you yes, know right, right you're right, right, also right. probably being blamed for things um mm-hmm. there's a, the kind of preeminent book for on borderline personality disorder um, is called Stop Walking on Eggshells, because yes. that is what it feels like. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to link that book up in case anyone is listening to this and thinking like, oh, I think I'm living with someone like this, yeah, it's um, because it's a really good book. Um, but, you know, living with someone, having a family member, um, a partner with borderline personality disorder, like it's not a life sentence, but you do need to learn really good boundaries. Yeah. Um, and you do need to learn some techniques so that these ebbs and flows, this volatility, these dramatic overtures are not rewarded, you know, that you kind of you become neutral to those behaviors and figure out how to kind of stay constant and hold yourself, but also provide like stabilization um, for the people in your life that are suffering from this. And, you know, as we said, I mean, it's it's a pretty miserable thing to experience for the person who's experiencing it. Right, right, because boundaries often are experienced as true physical pain. Like yes. it's not just a mental or emotional yes. pain, right. but a physical pain as well. And so, I mean, whether you are living with it or whether you are the one who are you know, putting boundaries into place, it, it, it feels like you are hurting someone. Yeah. <laughs> to, when you're putting these yes. things in place. Um, Absolutely. Even if it's ultimately towards healing Mm -hmm. it it, it is i mean it's it's so difficult and and i think that's why it gets stigmatized so much yes um yeah there's so much stigma out there well and i think it's it's also stigmatized because for those of us who've lived with someone with a personality disorder we've probably been really hurt yes and so it is very easy to throw around oh my ex is you know is a narcissist or my you know my mother has bpd and you know, we say that in an effort for people to understand the way we've been treated. Right. right. Um, because, the, yeah, the behavioral manifestations are hurtful to the people around them. So it's a, it's a tricky one because it's a both and. Like, yes, there is stigma and these people deserve grace and empathy. But also, yes, 
the behavioral manifestations of untreated personality disorders cause harm. Yeah. Right. It's a both and. Right. And, and, I, and I think the, the key phrase that you just said there is untreated. Like yes. w- w- when someone who has BPD is going to treatment, uh, DBT is very effective yeah. for mm-hmm. borderline. Uh, and you starts to gain some insight into what is going on. Like it can actually be very successful and you can start to create um yeah, insight and more peace <laughs> and like it, it's livable when it's yeah, treated. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about histrionic personality disorder as opposed to borderline personality disorder. Yeah. Histrionic, I mean, it looks somewhat similar to BPD. I mean, they're in the same cluster. Mm-hmm. They're both cluster B. The, the the thing, at least the way I think about histrionic is it is a little bit more attention seeking. Yeah. Um, a little bit more like I think the easiest way to kind of picture it is like sensual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. They, they tend to be very seductive. They yes. tend to use their sexuality. They can use a, a variety of ways to seek attention, but I think sexuality is just kind of low hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. And so uh, oftentimes these are the people who are just, you know, they're very flirtatious uh, for fe- for both females and males, you know, very concerned with their physical appearance and using that to get a lot of attention. Um, but they, they want to be the center of the room. Right. Right. Like, like I, I think an example that is helpful is, is some people <laughs> have diagnosed like Michael Scott on the office yeah. with, with histrionic. Um, yes. Like, I mean, we can't say for certain, obviously, but like, he exhibits a lot of those signs on that show of what histrionic looks like. Uh, And yeah, the center of attention, really inappropriate sexual jokes uh, Mm -hmm. and and that sense of always needing to be kind of, yeah, the the center of attention. Yes. Um, Absolutely uncomfortable if he is not getting the attention. Yeah. Some people have said Scarlett O'Hara in Gone with the Wind. Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. HPD. Yeah. Um, or Regina George. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, I mean, they, they these people tend to, I actually think people with histrionic tend to present a little more forward than people with borderline. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, I mean, you know, when therapists are together in a, in a break room, you know, <laughs> We chat, but but I can remember when I worked at a group practice, like, you know, someone might walk into the waiting room and it was like, oh, there's big histrionic vibes. And what that would mean is it's just like they need everyone in the wait- waiting room to be looking at them. Yeah. Whether it's by the way that they're dressed, whether, you know, it's just like, wow, I you need everyone to look at you right now. <laughs> I remember we were waiting to get on a plane during COVID Um and there was a gal in line. She refused to wear her mask, just, you know, being that person. And she had face tattoos. She was dressed very, very provocatively. She had, like, these big, like, puffy things in her hair. Her hair was done kind of like a little girl's. She was wearing a super short skirt with fishnets and these big um, platform shoes. Um, just every every aspect of her was, like, look at me. But also, like, I'm about to be mad at you. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, we're in line and I'm like, okay, histrionic vibes. 
And I'm like, I really hope we're not seated by her. <laughs> That's my second mm-hmm. thought, you know, because she's refusing her mask. Like, this is going to be drama. And of course, she was seated right by Japta. Of course. <laughs> and do I know that she had histrionic personality disorder? No, I do not. But those could be some tells. Yeah. Those right. could be. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a tough one because I think um, – you know, in this trial, these this is being introduced. But she was also given the MMPI, which is a test that gives us some ideas yeah. when someone might have a personality disorder. I mean, um, it's, and it's, so there's it's the standard. <laughs> yeah, it, it is the gold standard. It is a it is a well worn, well researched test. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of people who are saying, like, they're very frustrated because this is stigmatizing personality disorders. Like, what would you say to that? Well, I mean, that's where we have to hold the both and, I think, yeah. because, it, because like, it is tricky. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, because the reality is personality disorders are really hard to live with, and there yep. can be a lot of harm. Mm-hmm. And does that mean someone is a horrible person? No. Like, right. But it needs to be treated. Right. Right. I mean, the, there is potential for manipulation, for, you know, malingering, for lying. Like these these are aspects of the disorder. So right. when they are being described in this way to indicate like this person does have this, uh, would have a predisposition to be lying in this case, um, that's, that is all true. Um, so it is, it's, it is really tricky. I mean, it's, it's just like we, we know that, you know, there are difficult aspects of living with someone with bipolar or living with someone with antisocial personality disorder. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean that those risk factors can be ignored. Right. Right. But it also I mean, doesn't mean everyone with BPD is going to be physically abusive. Absolutely right. not. Right, right, one hundred percent, and and I think also acknowledging like the the gender profile in here, like mm-hmm. disproportionately women are diagnosed with yes. BPD and histrionic, like yes, and like that doesn't mean they always have it too, right? Like and and so I I think like the stigma there is really important, yes, of, of like what about being a woman in the world that's just getting labeled as borderline or histrionic, mm-hmm. um. Like the, there is issues with diagnosis there, and yes. I think that is important to acknowledge. Too. Yes, mm. absolutely. I, I also think, I mean, in pop culture right now, we're diagnosing everyone with narcissism. Right, right. And like that's just we're throwing that around everywhere, um, where that's a little bit more complex than just someone being selfish or entitled. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, I'm gonna link up um, that book, Walking on Eggshells, because I think it's a really good one for. Um, for anybody who is curious and wanting to learn how to set up boundaries with, you know, even if they are not a personality disorder, if you have toxic or high drama people in your life, it's a really good book. So that will be in our show notes. Hey, thanks for listening. Just a heads up, we're therapists, but we're not your therapists. This podcast is not a substitute for therapy, and by making it, we're not rendering psychological or other professional services. If you need therapy, we recommend you track down someone to help. Join us online for more of the conversation in our Selfie Community Facebook group or on Instagram at at Selfie Podcast. 